Section 11 of Birds, Volume 2, Number 2, August 1897. Recorded for LibriVox.org. The Skylark. The English Skylark has been more celebrated in poetry than any other songbird. Shelley's famous poem is too long to quote and too symmetrical to present in fragmentary form. It is almost as musical as the sweet singer itself. By the first streak of dawn, says one familiar with the Skylark, he bounds from the dripping herbage, and on fluttering wings mounts the air for a few feet air, giving forth his cheery notes. Then upward, apparently without effort, he sails, sometimes drifting far away as he ascends, borne as it were by the ascending vapors, so easily he mounts the air. His notes are so pure and sweet, and yet so loud and varied withal, that when they first disturb the air of early morning, all the other little feathered tenants of the fields and hedgerows seem irresistibly compelled to join him in filling the air with melody. Upwards, ever upwards, he mounts, until like a speck in the highest ether he appears motionless, yet still his notes are heard, lovely in their faintness, now gradually growing louder and louder as he descends, until within a few yards of the earth they cease, and he drops like a fragment hurled from above into the herbage, or flits about it for a short distance ere alighting. The lark sings just as richly on the ground as when on quivering wing. When in song, he is said to be a good guide to the weather, for whenever we see him rise into the air, despite the gloomy looks of an overcast sky, fine weather is invariably at hand. The nest is most frequently in the grass fields, sometimes amongst the young corn, or in places little frequented. It is made of dry grass and moss, and lined with fibrous roots and a little horsehair. The eggs, usually four or five in number, are dull white, spotted, clouded, and blotched over the entire surface with brownish green. The female lark, says Dixon, like all ground birds, is a very close sitter, remaining faithful to her charge. She regains her nest by dropping to the ground a hundred yards away or more from its concealment. The food of the lark is varied, in spring and summer, insects and their larvae, and worms and slugs, in autumn and winter, seeds. Olive Thorne Miller tells this pretty anecdote of a skylark which she emancipated from a bird store. I bought the skylark, though I did not want him. I spared no pains to make the stranger happy. I procured a beautiful sod of uncut fresh grass, of which he at once took possession, crouching or sitting low among the stems, and looking most bewitching. He seemed contented, and uttered no more that appealing cry, but he did not show much intelligence. His cage had a broad base, behind which he delighted to hide, and for hours as I sat in the room I could see nothing of him, although I would hear him stirring about. If I rose from my seat he was instantly on the alert, and stretched his head up to look over at me. I tried to get a better view of him, by hanging a small mirror at an angle over his cage, but he was so much frightened by it that I had removed it. This bird, Mrs. Miller says, never seemed to know enough to go home. Even when very hungry, he would stand before his wide open door, where one step would take him into his beloved grass thicket, and yet that one step he would not take. When his hunger became intolerable, he ran around the room, circled about his cage, looking in, recognizing his food dishes, and trying eagerly to get between the wires to reach them. And yet, when he came up before the open door, he would stand and gaze, but never go in. After five months' trial, 
during which he displayed no particular intelligence and never learned to enter his cage he passed out of the bird room but not into a store end of section 11 this recording is in the public domain